Hello and welcome to ZeroNet50. I'm Jennifer Deloney and with me is Joel Stronberg. Hello, Joel. Hello, Jennifer. Hey, so it's been a little while since we talked and a lot has happened since the yes, last time. Yes, it has. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in the entirety, uh, I think, of the uh, climate energy community has uh, breathed a collective sigh of relief uh, as they see in the very early moments of the new administration, really big things happening. That's absolutely true. I mean, he, um, his day one activities um, meant that he rolled up his shirt sleeves and, and, and jumped right in, um, mm -hmm. as have most of his cabinet nominees as well. So this yeah. is, it, it bodes well. Now, obviously, yeah. whether, whether he can get through Congress is another matter, but, you know, we're closer than we were eight days ago. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, before we get started, I want to do a full disclosure uh, on my current situation has changed since the last time we talked. I am now an employee of RTO Insider, and I am going to be an editor and writer for them. So I'm just disclosing to everybody that that's uh, where I'm hailing from. Uh, but this this podcast is not associated with that organization in any way. So I just want to make that clear. RTO uh, um, is RTO yeah. is 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 good to have you. You're going to do great work, I'm sure. <laughs> Thank you. I'm pretty excited about it. You should uh, be. Yeah, um, but you know, in the very early moments of of that position, uh, something that's been on my mind has been transportation sector, and you know, of course, we've seen some very interesting things from the administration in their early moments as to you know what their thoughts are in that respect so i just wanted to jump in there today and take it on a, a little bit of a pass and think about what's going on there and you know what should we what should we expect and you know what are we actually going to see versus our expectations but um you know right right out of the gate uh, just recently within the last couple of days fast ev charger supplier I think we're all calling it Evgo now, um, just finalized a merger deal with a special purpose acquisition company that's going to allow Evgo to become a publicly listed company under the symbol EVGO. I mean, it's they're not, you know, out there in front by any means. It's just recent activity that's on top of a lot of activity. But the news took me down a path about, you know, thinking about EVs and chargers and the climate and I just want to jump in there um, with some thoughts, but also with the caveat that I'm just speculating in order to make a point about where we are realistically today. And, you know, what we talk about, uh, you know, obviously is up for interpretation. But, you know, basically, Evgo is looking to capitalize on this growing urgency for fast chargers, um, you know, what we call DC fast chargers or DCFC stations. And those are essentially this like third tier charge option now in the market that's behind the level one and level two chargers. We're talking about the difference in maximum charge rates of like 10 kilowatts for level one and two versus 150 for DCFC. So it's a, it's a nice jump and certainly an important place for the market to go. <clears throat> and all that urgency is basically driven by what we know about the, the need to decarbonize the transportation sector which is you know, the biggest emitter of greenhouse gases. And in order to realize the goals of the Paris Agreement in the US, there are estimates that the US needs to transition 20% of its vehicles to clean technologies by the end of the decade. And you know, with that number, I start thinking about everything to do with chargers in terms of 
numbers, numbers of cars, numbers of chargers, how much money is needed to do all of that work, and 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 then of course what the outcome, what the results are in terms of the numbers for our emissions. Um, but when we're thinking about the number of cars in the U.S. based on 2018 numbers, 20% of vehicles would be 55 million cars. And in terms of EVs, we're we're not even close to estimating that we could be there by 2030. And so that's a you know one hurdle that I get to. And then you know we talk about how many electric vehicles are on the road right now. It's a, in the U.S. It's about a million. And then how many public chargers do we have? It's about 84,000. And as a side note, you'll the only thing you're ever going to hear from EV owners is complaining that public chargers availability is a complete nightmare. And so, you know, that that number of chargers is not even close to anything that we would need just for the number of cars that are on the road right now. But understanding how many new EVs the US might have on the road by the end of the decade and how and where those vehicles might charge in order to estimate what the public charging network should look like and identifying how much it would cost to build that public charging network are all things we should already know today in order to achieve them in nine years. I mean, you know, your understanding of public planning, doesn't that make sense to you that we should already know these things? Uh, we should, but um, why break a long history of habit? Um, <laughs> Yes. Although, you know, this is, uh, before I get to the uh, special acquisition companies, um, yep. there, Evgo is not the only um, charge, charging company that has actually gone that route this year. Yep. Um, yep. Uh, Checkpoint and uh, Blink uh, are also on that, and it's becoming, I mean, there, there is being created a, a, an industry um, capacity to do this. It's, mm -hmm. Whether they can do it enough is another issue. And, mm -hmm. you know, the, of the 84,000 plugs, there are only 26,000 public electric charging stations. So this mm -hmm. is, you know, so however that many is per plug. Um, right. And Tesla has its own proprietary um, for its customers, and that adds about another 1,000 uh, right. charging stations. But mm -hmm. let's back up for one second and talk about the politics. Okay. Um, first of all, in, the, in an era when people are policy. President Biden's really staked his, his territory out on transportation. Um, not only is uh, Pete Buttigieg being, who will be the next Department of uh, Transportation Secretary, mm -hmm. um, and he has had some, he has had some impacts as a mayor you know, with, with, certainly with urban pollution. Mm -hmm. um, but the other three on the list include Jennifer Granholm, who was the governor of Michigan mm -hmm. and helped work with Biden and Obama um, in the 2008-2009 bailout um, of the auto companies. Mm -hmm. She's governor of Michigan, clearly has a really strong background in transportation. Right. Um, the other, uh, Governor Raimondo from Rhode Island um, has also been uh, nominated who also has a very strong background in transportation. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, Rhode Island is, is one of the, uh, uh, is one of the, I guess, key states that, that have actually um, turned their policy towards electric vehicles. Um, and then there's Michael Regan, who is the uh, nominee to be the administrator for EPA. Um, mm -hmm. And in 2018, 
he was involved in doing an executive order in North Carolina um, that required the state to reduce its greenhouse gas emissions by 40% by 2025. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of that is obviously going to come out of transportation because for the reason that you said, that transportation is now the biggest contributor um, of greenhouse gases. And this is, this is an important thing. I mean, not only do these people, uh, first of all, all these people are state people, which I think is a really good thing. Um, not that they aren't sophisticated enough to do federal, but a lot of this action is going to have to take place at the state level as well, especially when you get into um, incentives and the distribution of uh, charging stations and infrastructure. But what it really does is Biden, this, I don't, in my 40 years in Washington, there's been no president um, that has ever looked at these issues across agencies. Um, mm. you know, so much is always stovepiped, which of course is a perpetual problem. Um, but not this time. I mean, he has written in not only to his plans, but clearly he's chosen people who work this way. And so mm -hmm. I think that you know, if the the potential is there, will Congress let that happen? I'm I'm not sure, but I think this is the area that um, that the the administration is going to target first. I mean, not that they haven't already. And the reason is because the car companies want this to happen. You know, for mm -hmm. the last four years they got pulled around by the Trump administration. And not only was the Trump administration attempting to do something that they didn't want done, which is freezing the, you know, the, uh, uh, the MPGs at the current level, um, all they, what they wanted was flexibility. They weren't nearly as concerned about, you know, can we make the technology work? They have the technology, they've been working on it for years. And so on the one side of the Trump administration, what happens is that these guys are getting pulled all over the place because there's no regulation in place. And you know what, markets do not like um, that kind of uh, 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 void um, in, in their market structure. Mm -hmm. The other mm -hmm. thing that happened too was that um, the Trump administration had moved to pull the waiver of California, which is the only state in the United States that could in fact put in a standard more strident than the federal standard. Um, but there are 14 states more now, I think, 14 states and the District of Columbia, at least, that have followed that rule. And, you know, when you talk about EVs, you've got to talk about California. It's the biggest market in the country. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, something of those uh, 84,000 plugs, California has 72,000 of them. Although, right. interestingly enough, they're not the biggest per capita. Uh, there are other states that have a higher per capita charging station per, per capita. But mm -hmm. states are moving on it, and the most populous states are moving on. So, so when you've got industry and uh, a political administration at least looking at the same things, then I think that there has more potential um, to get things through the House and the Senate. The problem with Congress this year, and the problem with uh, the problem in the sense of politics and you know who controls, is that the 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 margins of victory in the House and the Senate are are minuscule. I mean, there are only four votes that separate the Democratic caucus from the House caucus, uh, from the Republican caucus in the House. In the Senate, it's a 50-50 split. The reason that the Democrats are being um, highlighted as having majority status is because Vice President Harris um, can, in fact, break ties. Mm -hmm. The problem, of course, is you have to get to a tie. Um, and there are conflicts 
within both the House and Senate Democratic caucuses. So, you know, this is a case where we, we saw a while back that the, the House Freedom Caucus um, was able to control the Republican majority um, because they held the margin um, so that you needed their 40 votes or whatever it was. The Republican speaker, um, whoever, whether it was, uh, you know, whether it was Ryan or not, um, needed those 40 votes to be able to make good on his his promises and his strategies. You know, it's a case of the tail wagging the dog. Um, and in this case, we've got four members uh, difference. And, you know, I can, I can name 10 different members of Congress from the progressive group that may not want to do exactly what Pelosi wants to do. So you've got that problem. On the Senate side, again, you have to get to a tie to have it broken. And just taking, for example, um, Joe Manchin, uh, West Virginia Senator, in fact, I think he's the only Democrat actually that is currently serving um, in Democratic federal government um, or even at the state level, I think. Uh, they, have a, they have a Democratic legislature, but the uh, governor and everybody else um, is Republican in control. Now, he comes from a cold state, and he's not going to let people forget that. And so there, there have been times, for example, on the issue of the second, bail, uh, the second um, stimulus package uh, for COVID, he's indicated he won't vote for it, um, which means that there's no tie. I mean, unless you can find Romney or Murkowski or Susan Collins um, to be able to fill the spots that are being left open by Democrats that just don't have a different agenda. Um, you know, Manchin, Manchin is Manchin. He's also in charge of, a, of the Energy Committee um, on the Senate side. So he's going to have a lot, of, a lot of input to all of this. Um, I think we're still trying to figure out whether or not he and, and other what they call blue dog Democrats, which is the term used for conservative Democrats that tend to vote um, more like liberal Republicans than they do liberal Democrats. And mm -hmm. I mean, there are actually caucuses named that, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being pejorative in this. Um, right. But the fact, again, is that the, the, the push for this, I think, is going to be the auto companies themselves, the labor unions. I mean, this is a huge job opportunity. And that's why, I mean, as much as he's talking about greenhouse gas emissions, he's also talking, he, Biden, is also talking about um, this as a cornerstone of his Get America Back to Work agenda. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. um, I think what will happen is it's going to come up, there is a, it won't come up as a piece of legislation necessarily, or if it does come up as a piece of legislation, I don't know that that legislation itself will go anywhere. There's a process um, used by Congress called budget reconciliation. And what will happen is I think they're gonna stick provisions within budget bills um, that then get put into law um, in kind of a backdoor way, but, but it, it can be done, it will be done. I mean, that's how Obama had initially gotten the, uh, his health plan through, not on legislation, but as a backdoor approach to the budget. And so what they do is they add sections on. In this case, you know, the, the, Republic, the Democrats on the House side are certainly all in favor of this. Um, and, the, and on the Senate side, the senator that has control of the budget committee um, is Bernie Sanders. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, I think that we have, we have maneuvering opportunities now coming up. The other thing that's happening, too, um, is 
these special acquisition corporations. Um, it's it that too is a backdoor to go to go uh, to become publicly traded. And what it is is there are these shell organizations that don't have any product. What they have is an organization and money, um, and they're listed on the stock exchanges. Right. So rather than going through the longer procedure um, of, of applying for for status um, on the stock exchanges, um, what happens is they merge. Um, and this has been, uh, the, the market has never seen anything like this. And I have to admit that um, there are at least, my guess is that there are now 15 to 20 fairly new companies um, mm -hmm. throughout the supply chain that are coming into the, to the stock exchanges that way. Now, what's mm -hmm. happening there is that they're, they're, it's a bubble territory. I don't think you can describe right. it. That was what I was going to ask. Doesn't seem like it's going to go bubble. <laughs> yeah, well, yes. I mean, it is. Now, which ones, I don't know. But mm -hmm. they are going to, to go bubble because you just, I mean, some of these companies have valuations in excess um, of General Motors, and they don't produce anything. And, right. and the companies they're merging with don't produce anything. Mm -hmm. um, and so everybody's betting on the come, so to speak. Right. This just can't last. I mean, in, I'm actually doing an article on this. And um, if people will kind of click into me to the uh, Civil Notion site in a week, you'll see mm -hmm. it. But mm -hmm. I mean, there are a company that can go, has, has gone from $2, from $2 to $70 mm -hmm. um, within the course of three weeks. Wow. And it's, I mean, this is just, it's, it's not, it's not a great way for investors, I think, to be safe in their, in their investment series. But what it is, is a sign that the world is ready for this, um, mm -hmm. or they're getting ready for this. And there are going to be um, some smooth transitions and some not so smooth. There, I mean, there's standardization issues, for example, with charging stations. Um, there is un tested um, technology uh, in, in automobiles. And the other thing we're seeing with this is that it's not just automobiles, it's these um, autonomous vehicles um, that are coming up. And so a lot of the technology that's being developed for the autonomous vehicle is certainly um, able to be included in cars and like trucks. Um, there, if it gets too far ahead of the, the infrastructure issues, I think there are gonna be problems. Just as I think there are going to be problems that some of these companies are not going, this, the, these new special acquisition companies, I mean, are not going to make their numbers. I mean, not not this year, not five years from now. And so, mm -hmm. people are going to be cautious when the bubble bursts. Hopefully, people will be have. There's been enough information out that people will better understand that you know some of these companies are no good to begin with. But that doesn't mean the technology isn't any good. Um, and, you know, we see, we're seeing the car companies, the, the tax credit, for example, is no longer eligible for, uh, Teslas are no longer eligible for the tax credit. They, mm -hmm. uh, the last year they were eligible was um, in 2019. The Chevy Bolt is also not um, eligible. Once a manufacturer gets above the 200,000 um, uh, unit sales, then, then the credits become, start going downhill. Mm -hmm. um, Biden is going to want to extend the tax credits. Um, there's going to be some opposition on that um, within the Senate. But, you know, it's as you, as you pointed out, I mean, to, to create this market, there are certain 
fiscal and financial and um, infrastructure issues that have to be dealt with. Mm -hmm. um, but better to work, you know, better government industry to, to work together. Um, but this, the other problem was it was was there are a couple of problems with the credit, federal credit anyway. First, it's a credit. You have to have taxable income to use it. Now, mm -hmm. you know, there the a Chevy Bolt and and uh, a Jaguar um, is eligible for the same credit. What what the difference is is does the consumer have a, the seventy five hundred dollar max is what is what the credit is. Do they have a tax nut of seventy five hundred dollars or more? Mm -hmm. So what it what it immediately does is it lets out. I mean, most middle income people are not going to be there, um, right. and certainly no low income people are going to be there. So one is that I think Biden again is pushing this because of a jobs issue. Um, mm -hmm. And he's looking for ways to make this more accessible to middle Americans. And this is something also um, that we'll see throughout the Biden administration is that he's 40% of his energy environmental plan um, is actually directed at environmental justice issues. Um, so, I mean, we'll see a lot of trading programs and what have you. I think this will also get in to the buses and long haul trucks, which actually use which are likely to use a different technology. Um, they're likely to do fuel cells. So that rather than running off the battery, the fuel cell actually charges the battery and then the motors turn the wheels. Uh, and so there's a difference, but the heavier duty uh, equipment, um, long haul trailers and, and construction equipment, buses, um, may be better able to utilize the fuel cell stuff, uh, the fuel cell technology than electric vehicles. and just going back to the stock exchange for a minute, fuel cells are also just, I mean, the fuel cell companies, fuel cell, Ballard, um, I can't remember the other one at the moment, um, but I mean, they're, they're all plugged, but they're also going through the, the roof as well. And these companies have never, and I repeat, never turned a profit. Um, right. So, I mean, is the future bright? Yes. Is the present, uh, you know, what, whether they'll be able to survive or not um, is, is another question. But I think that I mean I think that most of the of the companies needed are going to be there, and so now what's going to happen is the infrastructure uh, legislation that, that Biden is talking about, and that Congress has been talking about for the last four years. You know, during the Trump administration, every week was infrastructure week, mm -hmm. and they didn't they didn't pass anything. Um, right. So I think we're going to see that because. Again, because the, the distribution of these stations make a difference as well. The other thing I think that the states have done that the federal government hasn't done is that they're giving rebates, not tax credits, rebates. So if you, I mean, you know, if you buy a car and, and North Carolina has a $2,500 rebate, you're going to get that money. Right. The other thing that's happening, which I, which I think is just brilliant, um, is the proposals up in Virginia now, and I know that this has been done in other states, apply to used cars. Um, and they, and the, the, the credit level that the Virginia um, General Assembly is looking at is the same as it would be for new. So it would be 75, mm -hmm. you know, whatever their, their top dollar is. The mm -hmm. other thing is that the, the states are putting in uh, provisions that, in fact, give extra credit um, to people below certain income levels. So that, uh, you know, a $2,000 credit may go up to a $3,000 credit. The fact that it's, it, it applies to used cars as well is... Um, it's going to make a big difference because we're, yeah. you know, how do you, how do you change over the vehicle fleet um, fast enough? And, you know, cars are lasting longer now. I, um, the car I have, I mean, it has, I've never kept a car for more than, you know, 
four years. And this mm-hmm. one's going on 11 years and there's nothing wrong with it. Right. Um, and so, you know, that's the other thing. Um, and Biden is also going to be proposing a cash for clunker um, provision in, in the, you know, in his legislation, also something that states have used. Um, and so I think what we're doing, we're seeing things coming together. Things have to gel. But I think mm-hmm. that if there's any sector um, that has a chance to really shine under the Biden administration and the current circumstances in Congress, it's going to be transportation. Mm-hmm. Well, in your latest article, the one that's brand new as of what, last night, uh, mm-hmm. you touched on Biden's plans for uh, the installation of 500,000 chargers. But we, you know, we were mentioning earlier, that's not really even a plan as far as plans go, because there's no no information char- shared on the details of you know, what types of chargers and and like you mentioned, where will they be installed? Because access is important. Um, and you know, if if we're talking about DCFC chargers in those stations, like Evgos, uh, we could consider how much it would cost in today's market. And it's an interesting conversation to have because uh, Evgos CEO told Forbes in a January 22nd article that the company typically installs stations that can be charging four cars simultaneously at an installation cost of $500,000 or more sometimes. But, um, you know, maybe we don't need all of Biden's new installations to be uh, fast chargers, but even if half of those were fast chargers, that's a cost of $125 billion. And, you know, obviously they're going to be natural efficiencies of scale um, that would bring down that figure, but by how much, we don't know. GM recently did a deal with Evco to uh, make 27 fast char- 2,700 fast chargers available earlier, early in this year. We don't know exactly when, but no financial details were closed. But you can bet that uh, there were financial efficiencies realized in that deals that brings down that 500,000 per you know station. And you know as as far you know how far would 250,000 fast chargers go in the U.S. on our, you know, grand scheme for 2030, you know, it's hard to say. Um, But, you know, basically, if we do the math, $125 billion investment in fast chargers would only serve 2% of the EVs needed in that estimate in order to achieve those climate goals. So that helps us understand a little teeny bit about how much it's going to cost us over the next nine years to get where we want to go. Oh, that's right. And there, I mean, there are other issues involved in that, too. I mean, what at least so far in the research that I've been doing is that the fast chargers in some way are less of a problem than the slower chargers because of, of technology. The, mm-hmm. the technology has evolved. So not every car is you know, is going to be able to use um, the most advanced uh, charging system. Mm-hmm. The other thing that happens, too, is that the, the cost is even greater um, in, in the sense that electric vehicles don't pay highway taxes. Um, mm-hmm. And so what happens is you know, the, the, your tax from the gas station, the gas from gasoline goes to maintenance of the highways. And so there's going to be a question of how are they going to backfill um, the highway fund to keep doing the repairs and you know, mm-hmm. all things that are necessary. And that certainly rolls I mean, from the federal level down to the, the village level, if you will. Um, and so this is going to be a problem. And it's one that's been raised um, quite frequently, and you'll find that, I mean, you'll, you'll find that fiscal conservatives on either side of the line are, are going to raise this. And I haven't seen anything yet um, that suggests they have an answer 
to that? I mean, you know, can can they tie it on to the um, a portion of the price, the sell, selling price, or, or licensing, or something? Um, but this is going to be an issue, and um, consumers that don't have electric vehicles and aren't thinking about electric vehicles um, don't like to be charged any more than a solar, um, a non-solar house, for example. Mm-hmm. This is this is what we've seen. Um, the other thing I think is that the conversation between government and industry, and not just the car companies, but again, the infrastructure, the, the supply chains and stuff, really has to take place um, now. I mean, otherwise we start, you know, you start writing laws that, um, that conflict with each other, even with a good team of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, of managers and, and, and um, key executives within the administration. So we're, we're away from that. And I think the other thing that happens, although it cuts two ways, is that the car companies, and this is one of the problems they have with the Trump administration, car companies want, are, are, are international um, and they don't want multiple standards. So why would they? I mean, you know, well, if you have to build a standard in the UK, build it for France, build it for Rhode Island, build it for Nebraska, you're, it doesn't work that way. So they're going to build to the highest standard. But in this case, you know, it's, it opens world markets, but it also puts greater pressure on the infrastructure investments. You start flooding the, the, the industry with, you know, with more cars than it can deal with. Um, and so these are problems, but they're workable problems. Um, and, and the fact is, I can't think of any better role for government um, and it, to play for industry as to create markets. I mean, we've seen what this has done. Um, you know, solar and wind are competitive these days. Um, and, you know, could it have been done faster? It certainly could. I mean, you know, I've been saying the same thing for 40 years, but the fact of the matter is that it's true. Now, if they would actually sit down and begin to integrate these notions and you know and problems and match them with solutions, then this is going to go faster. And I think it's going to go faster this time. In some ways, electric cars are nothing more than a smartphone on wheels. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so, I mean, you know, the the old the old problem of you know it takes six months to shut down one um, uh, manufacturer line to create a new one. It just mm-hmm. isn't there. They they can they can. They can change on a dime, and we've seen them do this um, with the COVID. I mean, there are car companies, there are car parts companies that began to produce surgical masks. Mm-hmm. Didn't take them long at all. Um, they also did the respirators um, or the the, the incubators um, in two ways, whatever that word is. That's right, the word. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, we we have, I think, again, we have an advantage that just hasn't been here very much before. And we've got Biden seeming to be willing to use the Defense Production Act um, for a lot of these near-term targets um, and near-term you know, needs um, mm-hmm. that I think, like I said, I think this bodes just so well for the future. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, you know, will, will Biden be the bracket of, you know, to, to Trump's being the worst environmental president, to his being the best? I don't think he can miss now. Now, whether that happens, whether it happens or not, is going to depend a lot on the politics. Because as far as I can see, there's nothing that can't be reasonably solved to get this done. Now, the other problem, I guess, you mentioned 55 million vehicles. Um, And it's only being estimated that that the Biden plan would create 25 million um, vehicles. So Mm -hmm. it it would need to be scaled up. But but again, these are not problems that can't be solved. Yeah, you know, I think you know you you mentioned industry being able to turn it on a dime, but you know, one group that 
doesn't ever turn on a dime are the utilities. And, and I've just read a report uh, that came out of the Federal Transportation Administration, I think it was, that indicates very clearly that the utilities aren't even close to the, the you know, understanding that they need to be planning for the infrastructure for, you know, chargers uh, and helping people on the other side of that equation understand how utilities work, how they create tariffs, you know, what demand charges mean, all of that is very important and, and that there's no communication plan for that right now. So, you know, at, at least there is an indication that people recognize that and they're looking for solutions to open up those conversations. But, you know, in terms of utility planning, it's years, years to get all that worked out. No, that's right. I mean, and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, those problems haven't actually been worked out. Um, mm -hmm. I think that one, another trend that's going to happen, at least until the feds get their stuff together, is we're seeing regionalization of, of um, utility markets. So, I mean, maybe if, if it doesn't, everything, if everything isn't one off, then maybe mm -hmm. we can get some economy there. The other thing, the other group that's going to actually be um, throwing disinformation out there is the petroleum, uh, the fossil fuel companies. Right. Um, I mean, oil companies. This is, not, this is not good for oil company business. Now, some of them, I mean, uh, Total uh, in France and BP um, and Shell, you know, have basically said, we're not in, really investing anymore um, in petroleum and they're looking to become, you know, more diversified companies, but there's still a huge number of, um, of, of people out there that make their living from the, you know, from, from gas and oil um, who are going to be joining these oil companies and saying, well, you know, it, it's too good to be true. Um, and this is something that, you know, this is, this is something that we're, we're having to face in all cases of alternative um, uh, energy. I mean, this is, you know, there, there's this huge infrastructure, this, this huge market that, you know, has been employing people and resources for decades um, that is now going to get cut out. I mean, it's, how smart are they going to be the transistor? I don't know. I mean, you know, did, did, the, did the blacksmith in, you know, in 1870 decide he could make bicycles and then, hey, I can, you know, I can, I can manufacture parts for Ford. There are going to be losers in all of this. And mm -hmm. there's just no way around it. I mean, no, none of us are guaranteed, at least at this stage, I mean, you know, work, uh, employment for, you know, in, for our entire lives or, right. or anything right. else. And there's going to be, there's going to be, um, some disaggregation, but again, you know, mm -hmm. you get into the, this is why it's such a great opportunity for job training and stuff that you can't just keep making the same crap, excuse me, um, that's, you know, that's not economic um, and expect that you're going to be able to survive. I mean, that's what the Russians tried to do with their five-year schemes and, you know, and, and nationalizing everything. It just mm -hmm. doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Well, I, you know, I, I appreciate your perspective on all of this because, you know, not, I'm thinking about it. I have, you know, some points of view, but you do bring in some excellent points about the politics. So all of that is wonderful. Yeah, and I expect uh, so, yeah, RTO, yeah. you, you guys are going to, you're going to straighten the utilities out. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, I, I know you were, you were in the middle of another series that you're writing. Is that correct? Today? Yes, ma'am, it is. Yeah. And, I bet you're not going to be surprised to, th to know that it's about cars. Um, <laughs> the, the series is called The Plug for Electric Vehicles. And mm -hmm. I will actually be getting into a lot of what we spoke about today. And um, the last installment is scheduled to be all about 
the stock market, special acquisition companies, and to give people a list of um, who's doing what to whom and how fast. Okay. Well, I, I can't wait to see that. That sounds like a very interesting read. All right. Well, uh, I guess that will do it for us today, and uh, we'll be back uh, sooner than later. So I just want to say thank you to our listeners for joining us, and thank you, Joel, for your insights today. Thank you, Jennifer. And um, our, we, we've got exciting times ahead of us. And, um, yeah. It's a great change. Yep, it's going to be interesting. All right, well, uh, our listeners can tweet comments or questions to hashtag ZeroNet50, and have a great day.